0: Hello, I'm Steve Davis. Welcome to this podcast for Australia's National Centre for Vocational Education Research. The founders of Australia's further education and VET sectors would hardly recognise their handiwork today. Universities are offering VET programs, VET providers are offering higher education programs, TAFE institutes are offering VET in schools, senior school certificates and even five-year higher education subjects, while some private providers are offering all of the above. In the paper, Shaken Not Stirred, The Development of One Tertiary Education Sector in Australia, Lisa Wheelahan, Sophie Arkudis, Nick Fredman, Emmeline Bexley from Melbourne University and Gavin Moody from RMIT explore this blurring of boundaries between educational sectors. Now, I began by asking Lisa how this new study relates to her previous paper from 2009, which examined the nature of higher education offered by public VET providers.
1: Well, it was the second half of that project. Um, The the, the first project on higher education in TAFE allowed us to look at one type of provider in one sector whereas this project allowed us to round that out completely and look at all different types of providers in tertiary education and that included universities that offer just a little bit of VET as well as the dual sector universities that have quite a lot of VET but also private providers that offer both and it was by undertaking the second part of the study that we were able to, um, to draw conclusions from the two projects overall um, about the emerging single tertiary education sector.
0: Lisa, if we look at public mixed sector universities first, what vocational education and training are they offering and, and can you highlight any trends or motivations there?
1: There's two, you've got to distinguish between the dual sector universities and what we're calling mixed sector universities, um, which only offer a little bit of it. The, the, the five dual sector universities in Australia um, off, uh, have big TAFE divisions. Um, the remaining um, mixed sector universities, and there's about 16, offer only a little bit of vet, and they mostly do so in a few small Um, areas. They don't offer comprehensive vet provision in the same way that the dual sectors do and they do it for a number of reasons. Sometimes it's like uh, as um, a historical legacy, for example, the group of eight universities were offering diplomas in the 1930s in areas such as music and agriculture and some of them are offering vet programs in those areas now. Others... Um, do so to support vertical integration, that is um, pathways from lower-level qualifications to higher-level qualifications, often um, to not only increase student numbers but also for social justice reasons where they're trying to make opportunities available to students. And others do it because they want to offer a full... um, they they want to support the development the, the development of a particular industry. So, for example, where one university in particular um, offers um, professional qualifications in a whole range of fields like um, dentistry, pharmacy, and things like that, they also offer qualifications in vet in technician roles like. Um, uh, dental um, hygienist or um, or pharmacy attendant, those sorts of things. So they're, offered, they're able to offer a whole range of qualifications for that particular industry. So these, these are just some of the reasons. But the key thing that differentiates them from the dual sector universities is not just that they offer these programs in a, smu, uh, in a few fields of education, but the reason they offer these programs is to support their purposes as a university. They don't have any desire, generally speaking, to become dual-sector universities.
0: All right. That's very helpful clarification between the mixed and the dual-sector with the universities. In the private area, the mixed-sector providers, how do you define them uh, and how are these institutions incorporating VET into their offerings?
1: Well, we're defining them in the same way that we're defining the universities. That is that they um, have most of their uh, offerings in one sector, but they're growing their offerings in the other sector. Many of them come from the VET sector originally, um, but they're a, they're a small number that started off in higher education and decided to offer VET. They are very different um, from the public providers in either sector. Generally speaking, um, private mixed sector providers only offer programs in a small range of fields of education. So they're specialist providers, they tend to be specialist providers. This is even in the big conglomerates when they, um, that you know, there's a number of big conglomerates that operate in Australia and they have a range of different um, providers but they all tend to focus only on one or two or three um, fields of education so it's quite different. Now they offer, um, that the We've seen the growth of these sorts of institutions for a whole range of reasons. One, because um, uh, the the people who run them can see that this is a very good business opportunity, but also um, because it enables them to offer a full service again. I remember in one of our interviews, one um, institutional leader says that you're forced to become a mixed sector provider if you're going to offer the range of knowledge and skills that people need in your profession. If you're going to offer somewhere for them to go, you need to have pathways. And that was one of the reasons why they got into it.
0: So where does this leave TAFE institutions now?
1: Well, TAFE the, the, TAFE, the TAFEs that are offering higher education have different aspirations. When we did the Higher Education TAFE project in 2009... Um, we looked at six of the ten TAFEs that then offered higher education um, and three of those had aspirations to become sort of like a polytechnic or a university college and the other three didn't. The other three saw their higher education as an extension of their VET. But things have changed since then. More TAFEs now offer higher higher education. There's only two states where TAFE doesn't and that's Tasmania and the Northern Territory. But in the Northern Territory, TAFE there is part of the the dual-sector university. Generally, TAFEs, is moving towards the polytechnic model where they're trying to develop provision that is broad-ranging and complements their vet provision. So they're going to be different types of institutions compared to the private providers.
0: Lisa, are any of these mixed sector bodies we've talked about, uh, do you think, better positioned to prosper in what we're calling the one-tertiary education sector?
1: Well, I don't know if they're in a better position to prosper. It's a matter of not having much choice, really. There, there's a whole lot of factors that are driving and blurring the sectoral divide, but one particular driver that's affecting um, TAFE, but also the private providers, is the nature of the market. Um, but for TAFE in particular, they have to compete with universities that are now offering lower-level vet qualifications, private providers that are offering both, and schools that are offering vetting schools unless they get into this market they 're going to be um, they 're going to lose what they 've got but also the other um, issue for TAFE um, is that the qualifications that people need in order to get um, jobs the same sorts of jobs that TAFE has always traditionally trained people for they now need degrees and unless TAFE Unless TAFE actually offers degrees for those the same occupations um, that it's been teaching for the last 20, 30 years, um, they will they will become residual. So there's really they're being compelled um, in a way uh, to get into this space. It's so it's not. It's not, it is a matter of choice, it is a matter of institutional aspiration, but it's the logic of the way things are going at the moment as well.
0: And when there is a sense of competition at play here too, uh, one of the factors that could be deemed a little elusive is is that thing called prestige. Do you you think there is still some uh, merit or extra advantage that the better, more solidly known universities have over the other players in this regard?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, in fact, that's one of our key findings, um, which is that um, one, uh, tertiary education sector may be emerging, but it's actually more stratified and hierarchical than than what was there before. Um, And that's because you've got many more players now in that, in that one space, in that tertiary education space. And what we found is that um, people in TAFE and in private providers, their point of comparison was university programs. So whenever they talked about their own programs and compared it to other programs, it was always university programs. So that became the sort of gold standard. We don't as the research team, don't think it's a gold standard, but um, we're just using that phrase to give people an idea of the way in which um, institutions were comparing their provision. They always compared it to what universities offered. But even universities that offered a bit of VET, they compared their VET um, to TAFE's and they argued that um, their, their VET provision was more rigorous, more um, that it was better able to prepare people for university and that sort of thing. So everybody used university qualifications as the, as the point of comparison Um, and that shows us that um, the, the status hierarchy is alive and kicking.
0: I was actually intrigued to learn that some uh, vet students in mixed sector u- institutions uh, refer to themselves as going to uni as opposed to undertaking vet studies. Is, is this what we're talking about?
1: Partly, yeah. That's I mean, that's partly a manifestation of it, but this has always been the case. When you, if you talk to TAFE students at the five dual-sector universities and you ask them where they go, they'll say they go to uni or they'll say the name of the university that they go to. Um, and I think that that's a bit of an indication of um, this whole status thing. The other thing is that when we talk to higher end and students and we ask them, you know, what do you tell people you do? Um, hardly any of them would say that they studied at ex TAFE institution. They would, um, they would say they'll go to college, they'll go to uni, or that they were doing this or that program. They didn't usually volunteer the fact that they were studying at TAFE. And we found the same thing with the private provider students. They do, they're exactly the same response. So yes, I think that that is an example or an illustration of the status problem that
0: we've got. And reflecting back on this latest paper and the research in 2009, now. What in insights do you think there are uh, and messages for government and for the VET and higher education sectors? What What are some of the key things you, you'd like them to be thinking about?
1: Well, there's a whole range of things, really, um, um, and we've tried to sort of um, sum them up in the, um, in the, in the mix, uh, the Shaking Not Stir paper, in trying to bring together the two projects. But the first thing is we need a national and coherent tertiary education policy framework. We don't have that at the moment. We still have separate quality assurance agencies, um, separate funding reports. Reporting accountability guidelines, even separate definitions of equity, we need to have some consistency in the policy framework. We also need to have a um, a national data collection um, of what happens, not only in terms of student numbers, but also teachers. We don't know anything about teachers in vet really, um, but we don't, we can't even say how many students that we've got um, in vet because we don't collect that data, or at least it's not published. So we we, we don't have enough information um, to make sensible policy. We need a national register of tertiary education institutions. It's not don't want, it, That does not exist. Um, there's no scope for examining a whole institution. You've got to look at either its higher ed provision or its vet provision and you've got to find them on the appropriate register. So that sort of thing is completely silly. Um, but the other thing that we also need to do is we need to support the capacity of teachers in um, TAFEs and in private providers who offer higher education to ensure that they can offer students uh, a a higher education experience. We have to build the capacity for scholarship um, in those institutions. There's still a long way to go on that. We also need to ensure that those universities that offer a little bit of VET have a good understanding about what VET means and the fact that they're um, they have to ensure that their staff maintain their industry currency and that they have good connections with the industry. So there's a lot of dangers with institutions that offer provision only in one sector. Um, then sort of getting into into another sector, we have to make sure they've got the capacity to do so. And I don't think we've focused enough on that yet. And we need to because this is only going to grow. It's not going to go away.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by the National Centre for Vocational Education Research. To download your copy of Shaken Not Stirred, The Development of One Tertiary Education Sector in Australia, go to www.ncver.edu.au.